This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Tuesday, June the 7th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast the day after the vote the night before. We'll have reaction and analysis on events at Westminster, plus hear about another damning report on a youth jail in Kent, and we speak to the incredible children who helped save their dad's life. But first today, there are calls for safety improvements on a busy high street in Thanet, after it was revealed that nearly 50 people have been hit by vehicles. Northdown Road runs through the centre of Cliftonville and has undergone a bit of a transformation in recent years with trendy salons, hairdressers and an international food market all opening. But a study has shown that in the 10 years to March 2021, 49 collisions have been reported to police involving a pedestrian being injured. Well, it's prompted calls for something to be done. Ish joins me now to chat more about this. And Ish, what else does this study say? Well, it lists a number of issues with the road, including the fact it's incredibly straight, leading to some motorists going too fast. The footpath on the south side of the stretch is also in the shade, meaning drivers can't clearly see people who are walking along. And they're not the only problems. A number of pedestrian crossings are in front of bus stops, so drivers overtaking might not see people stepping out into the road. Two zebra crossings also have islands in the middle of the road, which has caused some confusion as to who has the right of way and when. And I mentioned earlier about the number of people knocked down. Tell us about the most recent tragedies. Sadly, a four-year-old boy was hit near the junction with Arthur Road last year. He was flown to hospital in a critical condition. Back in 2017, a teenage suffered a broken shoulder when they were struck by a car and in the same year a 90-year-old died after also being knocked down. Really awful. So what do people living there want to see happen and what have the council had to say? Well, back in February, they started a campaign calling for a 20-mile-per-hour zone to be put in place. Meantime, KCC have told us that they're proposing a number of changes in eight specific locations to improve safety. These include existing parking bays being reduced to just three cars and footpaths made wider to allow buses to pull in closer. Zebra crossings would also be replaced. Thanks ever so much, Ish. Now, all of this is going to be discussed at a meeting on Thursday. You can read the proposals in full by heading to the story at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Next, and Boris Johnson is back at work at number 10 today after narrowly winning a confidence vote. 148 Conservative MPs, that's 41%, had tried to get rid of the Prime Minister. But the result revealed last night means he's, in theory, safe from another challenge like this for a year. North Thanet MP Sir Roger Gale has been a vocal critic of Mr Johnson. He gave us his reaction to the result. A third, over a third, of the parliamentary party has expressed no confidence in the Prime Minister. Now we have a job of work to do. We've got to push through the Conservative legislation, but we are pledged to enact and we will do that. And I'm not one of those who believes in a, a vote strike or anything like that. We don't all agree with all of the legislation. Nobody ever does. But we have a job to do and we have to get on and the electorate will expect us to do that. But that is separate from our reaction to the Prime Minister. I don't believe that he should take the party into the next general election. And I think there are other elephant traps down the road. Two by-elections coming up. The Privileges Committee report in the autumn. There are a lot of hurdles ahead. And I think 
a Prime Minister of Honour would look at the figures, accept the fact that he has lost the support of a significant proportion of his party and consider his position, but I don't think he'll do that. I have a personal view that Mr Johnson is not the fit and proper person to be Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, but I'm elected as a Conservative Member of Parliament on a manifesto that we need to deliver. So I will support the legislation. But don't expect me to support this Prime Minister. I cannot do that. The MPs for Ashford, Dover, Faversham, Gillingham and Folkestone all supported Boris Johnson. But has all of this left the party rather divided moving forward? Let's get some analysis now from our political editor, Paul Francis. Boris Johnson has made no secrets of his determination to carry on with the political agenda that he set out. The whole levelling up regime and tackling the cost of living crisis top of his list. Now, most Kent MPs largely swung behind Boris Johnson. And I think what might be interesting to see is whether this buys any leverage with the Prime Minister, as many MPs in the South East generally have expressed concern about the levelling up agenda, which they see as potentially diverting resources away from counties like Kent and the South East generally to tackle social disadvantage in some of the poorer parts of the country, notably those constituencies dubbed the Red Wall seats, which Boris Johnson managed to win at the last general election. As to whether this really does draw a line under the Partygate scandal, that still has some way to go, despite the efforts of loyal ministers to uh, say it's time to move on. There's an investigation into his conduct by the Parliamentary Privileges Committee and there are two awkward by-elections taking place later this month which could cast further shadow over his position. You can, of course, continue to let us know what you think by commenting on the story at Kent Online. A restaurant owner from Herne Bay who left a man with head injuries after being racially abused has avoided being sent to prison. Damien Davis says he acted in self-defence when it happened outside Pop's Jerk in August 2020. The 42-year-old from Chestnut Drive was cleared of causing GBH with intent but convicted of a lesser charge. He's got to do two 200 hours of unpaid work and pay compensation. A seventh man has been arrested over a large fight involving a knife in Chatham High Street. One person suffered facial injuries during the brawl two weeks ago. All of the suspects have been released on bail. Meantime, police are hunting a suspected burglar following a break-in at a house in Chatham. A man said to have threatened a woman who'd been sleeping at the property in Ordnance Street on Sunday. Officers were also linking the case to an attempted burglary in the same road where a bathroom window was found open. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A sitting-born nightclub which was at risk of losing its licence has been let off with a warning. Police had raised concerns about life in the high street following a huge fight there, reports of underage clubbers and allegations of doormen hitting customers. While council officers say they're happy with the measures being taken to address any issues. £2,000 worth of printer ink cartridges have been stolen from a supermarket on Sheppey. They were taken over a five-week period from Tesco on Bridge Road in Sheerness. 
We've got CCTV images of a man police want to speak to. You can see those by heading to the story on the website. Now, violence at a youth jail in Kent is still higher than at similar facilities across the country, according to a report seen by the Kent Online podcast. Inspectors visited Cookhamwood in Rochester back in April after being very concerned following a trip there the previous August. They found the number of violent incidents had dropped by a fifth, but there was no evidence of a credible violence reduction strategy. Well, I've been getting reaction to this story from Robert Priest. He's from the Howard League for Penal Reform, which campaigns against the use of young offender institutions. I mean, the Howard League has been of the view for a very long period of time now that prison is no place for uh, a child. And this is not the first time uh, I've spoken uh, on the radio in Kent about the problems in Cook and Wood, and I doubt it will be the last until the government changes um, direction. Unfortunately, we have a a prison that's holding boys as young as 15 uh, in conditions that you would never hold your own teenager in. Um, You know, there are signs of encouragement in the report that comes out today saying that people, kids are getting as much as six hours a day outside their cells. Well, that's not very much time uh, at all. And you have to wonder how much of that time is being used uh, constructively for for education and training and gaining skills and all the things that you would hope your teenage son would receive. Um, so that's a big cause for concern. And the um, the high rates of violence are clearly unacceptable. Um, it's the Howard League's view that prison is no place for a child and that we should um, uh, be, be thinking very seriously about a different approach now. It's time to accept uh, that if a child does need to be Uh, in a secure setting that could be much better achieved in a secure children's home run by a local authority uh, where there are more staff uh, on hand to provide the um, the care and attention uh, that these young children require and I think it's really really important to recognize that um, we don't need as many children in the prison as there currently are and with the government planning to expand uh, the number of um, prisons holding children and the number of children held in custody Reports like today's clearly show that's the wrong direction to be headed in. And how much of an impact would seeing or being involved in that violence within yeah. the young offenders institution affect those young people who presumably the whole the whole point is to reform them and to send them out as better people. But if they're experiencing and seeing so much violence, what impact is that likely to have on those very young lives, would you say? If a child is in trouble, we should be doing all that we can to help turn their lives around, guide them away from crime. Uh, and enable them to thrive as adults. Um, Witnessing a serious violent incident such as the one described uh, not long before the inspectors arrived uh, at Cook and Wood is likely to scar a child for the rest of their life. You don't forget experiences uh, like that. And this experience is holding children back again and again and again. Children before, children after, they go through Cook and Wood and they're left with lasting uh, hellish experiences that will never leave them and will hold them back as adults. So it's very, very concerning indeed. Um, Secure children's homes are the way forward because you have more staff on hand to provide that sort of intensive care and attention that children require. And one of the things that comes through loud and clear from this report on Cook and Wood is the staff shortages. And and, and that serious violent incident uh, that involved some staff, I believe, requiring medical um, attention uh, has obviously impacted on staff shortages uh, some more. It's very, very difficult to provide a caring um, resourceful, positive environment for children who who need uh, care and attention if there aren't enough staff and those staff aren't adequately trained for dealing with people uh, of that age. So um, we need to get as many children as possible out of prison and, and, and surround them with the care and support they need to move forward 
and become law-abiding adults. Because of the staff shortages within the current system, would your alternative idea then of these um, secure homes for these young people, would you be able to staff those adequately? Are there enough people who would work in a different sort of setting to help these young people? I mean, we have secure children's homes elsewhere in the country and they're, they're very successful in terms of turning uh, children's lives around and ensuring that they can they can thrive when they are older. Uh, but of course, you need to get people to work in those places and you need to pay them appropriately. You need to ensure that there is training uh, that is appropriate. You need to offer the chance of career progression. I think right now, if you spoke to many prison officers, they would feel like they are underappreciated. They are underpaid. They're under-resourced. Uh, they don't receive the support that perhaps other public servants uh, receive. And um, you know, they have been making the case for a long time that you will not tackle the staffing shortages uh, in the service without some uh, some real attention paid to all those factors. Uh, so it's really important. You know, you get out of the system what you put into it. And if you continue to put more and more people in there, without the resources uh, to go along with that, then you will lead to problems like the ones described in this report. The answer is to make the system smaller. Cook and Wood holds boys aged 15 to 18. You can read more on the report itself by heading to the story on the website. Kent Online reports. Some real stories of courage and bravery now. And first, a Kent police officer who climbed under a lorry to drag an injured motorcyclist to safety has been nominated for a national award. PC Grace and a colleague have been called to a crash near Bobbing in January. They managed to find a jack to lift the flatbed lorry off the cyclist, get him to safety and give CPR until paramedics arrived. He'll receive an award in July. Next, an Kent dad's been telling the podcast about the moment he suffered a cardiac arrest in front of his children. Stuart Waters had just pulled up on his drive in Pembury near Tunbridge Wells in March when it happened. He was taken to hospital thanks to the quick thinking of 10-year-old Sadie and 7-year-old Jude, who'd kept an eye on him and run home to tell their mum, Leanne. They've since been given a police award for bravery and their dad's continuing to recover after having surgery. Well, let's hear the story in full from Stuart, Sadie, Jude and Leanne. I went to work as normal, uh, do lorry driving, uh, done my day, um, come back, had tea and then got the kids and went to football training. Um, We've done the football training and then obviously I was driving back home and then that is all I know. I didn't feel ill or anything like that. I just uh, collapsed at the wheel of the car. So that is all I know. Then it was obviously down to the kids and my wife from there on, to be fair. Like my dad said, we was driving back from football training and then he just, before he collapsed, he said, oh no, it's happened again. And obviously we didn't know what that meant. So we we ran, um, well, Jude stayed in the car and so they ran to our door and because um, our mum was in the bath and, um, and I stayed in the car and said he knocked as loud as he can and I checked if he was okay and our dad didn't reply. So we did, so Sadie knocked on the door and um, then our mum um, came down. Yeah, the mum came down from... Um, her, her bath and um she couldn't open the door because she was like really really shocked so then when she got out she um we um said our dad wasn't very well and she thought it was a joke we was like it's not a joke and then when mum found out that dad wasn't very well we started um alerted neighbors and then they did cpr and stuff like that we was like really confused because we didn't know what happened 
and scared and a bit sad. I was quite um, confused, but also worried at the same time because I didn't know what was happening or what to do. So I just ran to the house and started knocking on the door. Uh, you know, obviously it was obviously a total blur and a blank for me, obviously for the first sort of four days, and then it was it wasn't until I had like the, the first operation on my heart what actually sort of started to sink in. Um, of obviously that you know it's the last thing you want your kids to see, so you know it's a <clears throat> a proud moment, a very very proud moment. Um, you know, obviously for the wrong reasons, really. You know. Um, but yeah, I'm so proud of them. Couldn't ask for better kids than that, to be fair. You know, at the end of the day, they helped save my life. I think some kids probably would maybe have frozen or just sat in the car and cried, or you just, you don't know how your kids will react in that situation. And Jude apparently took his seatbelt off and they were checking, he was breathing. And then, you know, so yeah, we've got to go and have follow-up appointments in June with the cardio team and he can't drive. They've taken the, his licence away, so we're not really too sure what the future's going to hold. Yeah, we're just sort of trying to get by day by day at the minute and try and get him fit and then get him back into work. And yeah. On the night, the, a policeman came to our house and said how brave we were. And then on the football ceremony, the exact same man who came to our house was the policeman. He had um, bravery reward certificates for me and Jude. Just a big thank you to the neighbourhood, really. And obviously my wife and kids. Absolutely incredible and huge congratulations to Sadie and Jude for keeping very cool heads and on the awards they've been given. And we do, of course, wish Stuart a full recovery. At Kent Online today, you can see incredible pictures of algae lighting up the water at a Kent beach. The luminous display was spotted at St Mary's Bay and New Romney last week. It's caused by phytoplankton in the sea. As the crew behind Empire of Light pack up and leave Margate, it's been revealed Thanet is by far the busiest film location in the county. The Kent Film Office says offering locations for films and TV shoots is bringing in around £8 million a year to the local economy. The production crew behind the new Sam Mendes blockbuster say they invested £4 million alone. And we may be in the midst of a cost of living crisis, but a house in Kent has just gone on the market for just under £8 million. Estate agents say the seven-bedroom property in Penshurst near Tunbridge has a wine cellar big enough for 600 bottles. You can see pictures inside at Kent Online. Kent Online Sports. Tennis first and Kent's Emma Rajikanu has been speaking as she gets her grass court season underway. She's hoping to put her defeat at the French Open behind her as she continues to recover from a back injury. Now the 19-year-old from Orpington has been in action today in the first round of the Nottingham Open and has been telling us she was looking forward to playing in front of a home crowd again. I remember playing you know, at Wimbledon and... It was the first time I kind of really experienced that that massive home crowd feeling on court one. And I've been really fortunate because every single tournament I've gone to, I've received great support. And, uh, you know, it's been a really nice atmosphere, but there's nothing really like playing at home. On to cricket now, and Kent will be hoping for back-to-back wins in the T20 Blast tonight. The defending champions take on Essex after picking up their first win of the competition against Middlesex at the weekend. Play is due to get underway from seven. We'll have details of the result in bulletins tomorrow morning on our sister radio station KMFM. Staying with cricket and Kent have signed a new bowler. New Zealand international Jacob Duffy is joining the club on a short-term contract. He'll be available 
available for the next two county championship matches, which are against Gloucestershire and Surrey. And finally, in football, teenager Bailey Akehurst has signed his first professional contract at Gillingham. The 18-year-old defender played for the club 11 times last season and manager Neil Harris says he sees potential in the player. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.